Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Chapter 11 today. Thank our worship team for ministering. There's so much awesome talent and ability and anointing that God has blessed River of Life with. I think we know that. Amen? If not, we need to be reminded of that. It's amazing what God is doing, what He is putting together, and has been putting together. I have a series that I'm waiting on, and I'm going to kick it off. It's going to be called Arise, and we are going to make a big deal about it. And I'm going to get t-shirts made. I mean, we're going to do the whole thing, because we're going to be talking about Arise and Shine for a long time. God gave me that in a prayer night on Tuesday nights. Standing right over here, he gave me Isaiah 60, and he said to me, Arise and shine, for your time to shine has come. At the end of that prayer meeting, uh, uh, meeting that night, we prayed, and a sister in our church, Sister Crystal, said, God has shown me before I, I, I was sharing all of my heart. That was a, another scripture God has given her for our church that um, people that sat in darkness has seen a great light. And we just had a moment. I'm telling you, how I many know oh, God answers prayer? He speaks through prayer. Uh, and so we're, okay, let's all do that together. I mean, how many believes in prayer, right? Come on. So uh, while I'm working on that series, I got this week and next week that are just standalone messages that I'm going to preach from my heart. And today's going to be one about prayer because we are in a season of prayer. And uh, But I want us to look at something here in chapter 11 of Luke in verse 5. Jesus is giving, he gave many prayer lessons, and here is one of them here today. And I wanted to talk about this today. Verse 5 says, And Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend, and go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me and on, on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, for the door is now shut. My children are with me in bed, and I cannot rise and give to you. In the ancient culture, if you came to someone's house, much like we do today, they would set out a meal for you. Uh, and the door would always be open during the day. But at night, when the door would be shut, that meant do not disturb. Because the old homes only had one big, many of them, most of them had only one big room. When we were in Israel, we saw this. And the whole family would sleep in the living room, even pets. And so if someone interrupted you, you'd have to get up and you'd wake everybody up. So no one came to your door at, in the middle of the night unless it was an emergency. That's the culture and the context that Jesus is telling this. And he's connecting it with prayer. You ready for this today? And then Jesus said in verse 8, I, will, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because of his friendship, yet because of his persistence. Everybody say that word persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. I underline that. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. That's a word for somebody today. It will be opened. 
If a son, then he says, if a son of yours asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him uh, a serpent instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? I love verse 13. If you then, being evil compared to the goodness of God, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your what? Heavenly Father, your good Father, we just sung about, will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray your blessing on our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Now look at me. If your neighbor doesn't look like he's going to get offended, I want you to give him the title of my message. You ready? Push him and say, pray until something happens. Push. Don't start a fight on the third row. Push. It's a new acronym today. Push. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. I want to talk about this today for a few reasons. If you are a believer and a follower of Christ, you're going to have to learn to do this if you're going to make it. You're going to have to learn how to push. Everybody say push. You're going to have to learn to do this. We have a problem in our culture today here in our Western mindset that we like things now. Remember that old commercial, I want my money and I want it now. I hated that commercial. It was the corniest thing. Remember that guy opens the door? I want my money. <laughs> but that seems to be really the, the pulse of our culture. We want things now. Or well, I text you, I want you to text me back. I see those bubbles. I can't wait. Come on, hurry up. What are you going to say? Anticipation is built. We got a problem with just wait. But God's economy is much slower. And so you have got to learn to do this one principle when it comes to praying or you ain't going to make it. I mean, just be real with you. You look throughout the Word of God, and there's everyone in the Bible that received a miracle. I asked you earlier how many of you have needs. Everybody, every hand went up here. Every, here went up. In order to get those needs, you're going to have to learn to do this today. You're going to help me preach today. You've you got to learn to push, pray, keep praying, keep praying until... Something happens. I looked, I started from Adam and Eve. I'm going to look at their life. Adam and Eve, as parents, they had two boys. They had uh, many expectations for their sons, just like you do for your kids. When you have kids, if you know already, you expect them to be the best. What happened to their children? One killed the other. That's a true story. How horrible that must be. You get together with your community friends in the neighborhood or at work, and everyone's talking about their kids. You walk away. You don't want to even tell what horrible tragedy has happened in your family. This happened to Adam and Eve. They, they were the first of the family, and they had a relationship with God. All this devastation happened. But if you read, I love what it said later in that chapter. It said, but Adam knew his wife again. In other words, he didn't give up. And just say, man, forget this. God gave us a family and it didn't work out. Look at here. I had a tragedy. And it must be awful to, to have something like that happen. But it says that, your Bible says that they knew one another again. They came back again and said, let's not give up on having family. Let's not give up on this family. That's a word for somebody today. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your family. And the Bible says they had another son and his name was Seth. And Eve said, God has given me another seed because Cain has killed my other seed. Look how she looked at it. And Seth had a son named Enoch. And then men begin to call out on the name of the Lord. In other words, a great revival happened two generations later, all because Adam and Eve pushed. 
Can I tell you that you may be struggling in something right now, and all you can see is God meeting your need, but I want to tell you that God wants you to push and to make it, not only just for you, but the whole trajectory of your future, of your family, can depend upon it. Come on, somebody. Hear me today. Hear me today. Somebody say, push. They push. You go over to Samson. Samson, we know about him. He had the long hair. He had an anointing, but he made some... Uh, foolish mistakes and some bad decisions. It costed him his anointing. They burned his eyes out, and the Bible says they put him down into prison, and he became a grinder in prison. But your Bible says that as he began to push, (laughs) man, this is a revival message. I need to bring this out again. When he began to push in the basement of that of that prison, his hair began to grow again. And his anointing began to... He could have gave up and said, forget this, forget serving God. I tried it. I failed. God's done with me. He must not ever be able to use me. But no, your Bible says he continued to push. Come on, somebody say push. He continued to push and his hair grew again. And he finally defeated his enemies with what? One final push. In the New Testament, the Bible says a woman with the issue of blood been having a medical condition for 18 years, for years and years and years. It is one thing to have a battle going on in your life that you're struggling with. It's very exhausting, but it's an entirely different thing to struggle with the same problem for 18 years. Come on, somebody. There comes a time when you want to give up. There comes a time when you say, it hasn't happened now. I want my miracle and I want it now. But God says, the only way you're going to get it, if you learn to, come on, push. Come on, push. And your Bible says, as she pushed through the crowd, bleeding and all, she touched the hem of his garment and she received her healing. Do you see that today? Push. Everybody say push. You got to learn to push. In prayer, we have been pushing as a church, praying for God to give us a bigger building, praying that God will give us a nice facility where we can have room to do ministry to the community. God has opened a door for us. You guys know, working with the police here in, in our fire department as the chaplain, I, God has opened that door to our church, and we've been able to, to minister. And, 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 and they, they're so, I told them about the building that is happening. They are so excited about it. God is wanting to do so many things, and he's going to be able to do it now through the building. We didn't have to build, thank God. I'm actually happy about that. I said, I'm actually happy about that. And, uh, I mean, I was up here faking it. I'll just be real with you. We, I was like, oh, my, I mean, I knew God was going to do it, but I was like, man, that's going to be a long mess, permits and everything else. But God, because we've been persistent and pushing, God has opened up a timing for his, uh, this building for us to move and to be able to do what God's called us to do. Push, but it's push. And I want to preach this to you, two reasons. One, I want to encourage you that because prayer works. I want you to hear that prayer works, but you got to learn to pray correctly. We got to learn to pray correctly. We got to learn to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. And a big part of it was right here learning to push, learning to be persistent, to ask, to seek, and to knock. So I want you to know that prayer works. That's why I am in the current situation, it is an answer to that prayer. Secondly, we're going to be entering into a season of just prayer. All other ministries, other than Sunday morning worship, is going to be suspended. I told our leaders that all of our 
groups and meetings that we do outside of the church, I want them to pause while we do Sunday morning worship. Our Wednesday nights are even going to be looking like a work night as well. But we want to pause them until we get the building built. I want to be able to have the building built and then move in, have church, and then hit, hit the ground running and do what, right? Who wants to be in there a year from now raising money to finish the left side of the building? This, I mean, that, that will drain us more than anything. And so that's why we're doing what we're doing. Everybody say, it's just temporary. You're going to get used to helping me say that. I mean, you walk in, the acoustics in the gym may not be the same or whatever. It's going to be different. For some of us that drive from Down River, our drive has just been extended to four minutes. I mean, I waited longer in this project that got going on on 94 today. Amen. I mean, right in front of the... How many drove through that? Amen. You know what I'm saying? And it's, uh, that's just the way life is. But I, I'm saying, but I, I think uh, the, the sacrifice is worth it. Can we give four extra minutes for what God wants to do in Jesus' name? Amen. You with me? But we got to go through this. So how do you get there? Let me get into this. How, how do you get there? They asked Jesus that. Uh, how, teach us, Lord, how to push. And in order to answer that, I need to back up and show you the very first scripture in this chapter. It's 11.1. It says, now when Jesus, when it, it came to pass that when he, he was praying in a certain place, and when he stopped praying, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, as John also teaches his disciples. So what is he saying? He's saying, they're saying, Jesus, teach us to push. Teach us to pray the right way. You seem to pray, and God answers your prayer. I mean, you, you've only prayed uh, once for a person more than once. The man with the blind eye, you prayed for him twice. In the garden, you prayed three times. But all other times, Jesus, every time you prayed, God answered your prayer. How many would love a prayer life like that? So he's saying, they said, teach us how to do that. Teach us, teach us how to do that. And he says, okay, I'm going to teach you how to push is what I'm going to teach you how to do. And the first thing you need to know is he first said, you got to learn to have a pattern of prayer. you got to learn to have a routine of prayer. And that's what the whole Lord's Prayer thing is. By the way, this is not the Lord's Prayer. If you want to see what Jesus actually prayed, it's over in John 17. It's a whole chapter. That's how he prayed to God. This is just a pattern that he gave us. This is just an outline that he gave us to pray. You hear so he says, before you begin to have and ask God to call fire down from heaven, you've got to have a pattern already established in your life. You, you can't show up like you know, NFL the football is kicking off here right now, and we got preseason. Amen. Give it up for football. Thank you, Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, some of you are like, ah, I hate you. Anyway, what are you excited about? I don't know. Anyway, so they got preseason. Preseason, they got practice, and they got preseason, right, Ladon? Then they got season. You can't show up on the kickoff day and expect to be a starter in the game if you ain't put in the work, right? We know that. That's the, that's the same thing that happens in every other field. Why is it different in Christianity? Why do we think that we're going to get a miracle and God to answer our needs if we're not putting in any work? We're not putting any prayer time. We're not getting down before God on our knees and making some time out and saying, God, I need to get a pattern of prayer going on in my life. What makes us think that God's going to be any different than all these other industries that we have and like nothing like that happens and that's what jesus said you want to learn how to pray i'm gonna i'm gonna teach you how to push and i'm gonna give you some acronyms today one of them is pop first thing you need to have is a pop a pattern of prayer and in the business world pop is not good that's a performance observation whatever and you, you, but 
don't raise your hand if you've ever been put on that. But anyway, POP is a pattern of prayer. You've got to have a pattern of prayer. Where do you see a pattern of prayer at? You see it in verse 1. It says Jesus had a what? Certain place that he went to. Do you have a certain place that you go to? He had a certain place that he went to. He, he liked to pray in this certain place. Another place in the Bible, it says he had a certain time. He had a certain place. He had a certain time. And then it also says that Jesus withdrew often, and sometimes he would even pray all night. What's the point? He had a pattern of prayer. I'm trying to help us today. We get, we, in order for us to see God do something in our life, we can't just shoot him a flare up every now and then. Hey, the man upstairs, I need you today. You know, No, no, no. God's going to say, where's your pattern of prayer at? I, I need Jesus first thing he says. And then he expects us to have a pattern of prayer. Where do you see that at? Do you see that in verse 2? He says that when you pray, not if you pray. It's like eating. If you eat, no, no, no. It's when you eat because we all going to eat, right? The quicker I'm done, the quicker you can. Some of you are already making arrangements, right? The quicker you're done. He, he, he's assuming we're going to pray. When you pray, you're going to have a pattern, right? And that, that's, that's what's going on here. And they go, yeah. He says, then I want you to have a, a pattern of prayer. So, so when you pray... This is how I want you to pray. And then Jesus begins to break. I'm not going to go through the whole Lord's Prayer, which is simply an outline. Now, I do pray this prayer very often, almost every day. I'll pray it. Not every day. Like I said, almost every day. But I want you to see the outline that Jesus gave us. Just, just the first two lines. Watch this. He said, when you are putting a pattern together, a P-O-P, a pattern of prayer, begin by saying, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. What is, it? what is he saying? I wrote this down. Having a pattern of prayer establishes a correct view of God. And this what he's doing. He's saying, I want you to begin to your prayer life, first of all, saying this, singing this line. Our Father who art in heaven. In other words, you've got to have a, why? Because you've got to have a correct view of who God is. The reason why many of us don't get our prayers answered or don't even pray is because, first of all, we've got a, a corrupt or an incorrect view of who God really is. Can I be real with you today? We, we, we try to relate to God because he's a man, he's a father, to our earthly father. And if you haven't had a good example, that is not a good one to follow. And so it messes you up on the whole father thing. Jesus is the first person ever in the Bible to introduce God as father. In the Old Testament, he was God. He was the man upstairs. He was judgment. He was wrath. He was God. Jesus comes along and says, I want to correct your view. I want you to start developing a pattern of prayer in your life, and it's going to start with a correct view of how you see God. And you need to see that God isn't just God. He's your Father. And by you consistently saying, our Father, it will begin to align and adjust your view of who God is. Paul the Apostle comes along and says, you know what? Not only can you call him Father, you can call him Abba, which means Daddy. Who's your daddy? Who you praying to? You can pray. You can know God that way. And when I got a hold of this, this totally just changed my mind, my whole mindset about Christianity because I had I had God down in this category as being just a guy that does everything. It was, it was like this. I grew up when I, when I was a little kid. We had a mailman in our neighborhood, and the mailman I never seen him do anything but drop off mail and make all the dogs bark. You can hear him coming. Before he even got near your street, all the dogs would begin in e-course over there. Would begin on Florence Street, and it would go off. I remember being at my friend's house one time uh, during Christmas, and they had their Christmas gifts out. And I remember talking with them and stuff, and they go, "Yeah, this is for our mailman," and they called his name. 
First of all, I'm thinking, he's got a name? <laughs> and they go, yeah, it was like Walt or something. They said, oh, this is for Walt. And uh, I, I begin to say, so you guys know his name? I was so blown away with that. And they said, yeah, not only does he have his name, a name, he's married, and he's got kids, and his kids are about my age's kids. And, and so we get him a Christmas uh, gift, and, you know, every Christmas. And by the way, he gives us our mail first anyway. So, uh, so it kind of win-win with everybody. But first of all, mind blown. This guy does more than just drop off mail. And I need to let you know today that God is more than just a supernatural mailman. Come on, somebody. He, he, he's, more, he's more than just somebody who comes around and stirs some dogs up in your life and drops off a little bit of correction, a discipline, or a revelation, or something good or bad. There is a, he's got a family. He, I said he's got a whole family. He, he, he wants to have a relationship with you. He's got a name, and a name above every other name. And he's got a whole, a whole resource that is beyond our even comprehension of who he is. And prayer is an invitation to a relationship to that God. Yeah. It was at our uh, Tuesday night life group, and we had a uh, subject come up. Uh, it came up that Jesus' death was the red carpet to the throne room of God. One of our brothers got a hold of that, and we just began to talk about that all night. Think about that. In Hebrews, it says Jesus' death made a way for us to come into the presence of God and to have a relationship with God. So he called it the, the red carpet to the throne room of God. Do you see that? You've got to have a correct view of who God is. That's why we pray our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. I mean, holy be your name. My correct view is to first enter your presence before I ask you for anything with praise. What am I saying? Pastor Eddie, I'm telling you this, that you got to begin your prayer life with just a correct view of who God is and praising him as he goes. And then just a second line, then we'll move on. He, Jesus said, in your pattern of prayer, get in the habit of, of having this correct view of God calling him Father, but also pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what that means? That simply means this, having a P.O.P., uh, submit it means that we submit our plans and desires to his will. <laughs> you getting that? That's what this prayer is to do. Jesus says, you want a pattern of prayer? You want to get your prayers answered? I'm showing you how to pray. This is how you pray. You pray, God, your will be done. Your will be done. In other words, you've got to line up your desires to his will, not his will to your desires. It's not about asking God to do what we want him to do for us. The goal of prayer isn't getting God to do what you want him to do. The goal of prayer is you becoming who God wants you to become. I said the goal of prayer isn't getting God to do what you want him to do. The goal of prayer is you to become what God wants you to become. I ain't getting no help today in this Catholic church. Pray. It's not a fun prayer to pray because we want all this to happen. We want you to do this. Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you want to push, if you want to learn how to push and pray in prayer, then you've got to learn to pray this prayer. God, your, your will be done. I pray that all the time. I say, God, your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth in my life. That's how I pray it. In my life as it is in heaven. In my mind. Let your will be done in my mind as it is in heaven. Let your will be done in my marriage. 
Let your will be done in my, not what I want. I want her to do this and do that. She wants me to do this and do that. You guys will be doing that for the rest of your life. You need to start praying, God, your will. What do you want him to do? Better yet, what do you want me to do? Joyce Meyer said for years she was praying, God, fix Dave. Dave is her husband. Fix my husband. She would fast and pray and say, God, fix my husband. He's driving me nuts. He's a heathen. He needs you. And one time in her quiet life with God, he said, I can't fix him until I fix you. <laughs> See that? That's why we don't like having the P.O.P. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't like what God tells us in the P.O.P. That's what he said. Your will be done, God, in my life, in my marriage, in my f- I pray that, God, in river of life. And here's the problem with that. We have, a, we have a big issue with praying that because of our, here's an F word, feelings. He, Jesus says, bypass what you feel, especially charismatics. We're so feeling on everything. I feel led, or I don't feel led. Pastor Eddie, I don't feel led. We should go over to that building. Put a bullet in your pocket and let's go. <laughs> Ron Luce used to say this. You youth pastors don't feel led. To give or feel led to, to be a youth pastor, put a, some lead in your pocket and go. So it's, it's not about feelings. If I went on feelings, I would not be here today. I didn't feel like getting up. It was nice and dark this morning, and it's been raining, and it's been nice weather. But the Bible says that we are not led by our feelings. We are led by the Spirit of God. And so by praying this prayer, having this pattern of prayer, saying, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. By praying that, God will show you and will begin to align your life up with what God wants us to do. Are you still with me? Then he moves over to what we've been talking about, our text, what we read today. Then he moves over to verse 5, and he starts talking about persistence. Everybody say persistence. This is the centerpiece of his entire teaching of pushing, what it means to push. He says, ask, seek, and knock. You can even do another acronym, A-S-K. Ask, seek, or knock. you got to be persistent in your prayer. That's what Jesus is teaching. He taught a whole parable in Luke 18 about being persistent. He called it the persistent widow. I begin to ask, and I begin to say, God, why do you, why does it have to be persistent? Why don't you do things immediately like we ask you to? What, why, why does it always seem to take time? What, why? You ever ask God why? And I begin to look in the, in the Word of God, and I begin to find a lot of things in the Bible. It's amazing that our answers are actually, he left a book. <laughs> he left a book for us. And as you read the book, you find out that there are reasons that God um, tells us to be persistent. Number one, God uses the process of pushing to change us. To change us. When you begin to pray... Prayer will change things. The first thing prayer will change is you. The first thing prayer will change is you. If you have an enemy, why did Jesus say pray for your enemies? Because you can't hate somebody you're praying for. Try it. I have. God, I want you to just knock their teeth out. I mean, you know. And then if you really start praying, your will be done, you start to pray for them, watch what will happen. That's why Jesus said pray for your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Now, they may have every right to have the judgment of God. There's some people that have done some awful things to you and me. And Jesus is aware of it. His best friend betrayed him on the night he died for him. The same night, everybody turned on him. Everybody left him the same night. 
They, they crucified him to a tree, but yet he's going to teach about loving your enemy and pray, praying for your enemy. Why? Because as you pray for your enemy, you will develop your, your love. You will begin to care for that person, and you'll watch how God changes your whole thing. But it, prayer changes us. I, I was reminded of the caterpillar and butterfly story. You guys remember that? Let me tell you about it if you haven't. I remember when I was reading about having uh, your mind to be renewed in Christ. And the, the Greek word there is metamorphosis. You remember learning that in school. And the story goes that a little boy had found a caterpillar in his backyard. And he saw him make a cocoon. And he asked his mom. And he said, Mom, what is that thing doing? And his mama said, well, son, that, that caterpillar is making a cocoon so he can turn into a, butter, a beautiful butterfly. Beautiful butterfly. There it is again. Amen. And beautiful butterfly. Okay, there, I got it on my system. I thought I did. So, come on, you ever see Bugs Life? Anyway, anyway. And so, that's what a cocoon looks at. You ever look at his story? I love God. He's amazing. Look, watch this. The story goes that the little boy watched this happen. Every day he'd go back there and say, when's he going to change to a butterfly? Well, over time, what happened? He saw a little hole. Nothing happened. And finally, one day, a little hole in the cocoon showed up. And he went and got his mom, and they came out, and they watched together. And this little caterpillar was struggling. He was pushing. He was pushing, trying to get out of that little bit of hole, that little hole. And, and he was sitting there, and the little kid said, oh, man, I'm tired of seeing him struggling. I'm tired of seeing him pushing. I feel sorry for him, and so I'm going to help him. And so he went, and he, what? he went and got some scissors, and he comes back, and he makes a really big hole in the cocoon. And the little caterpillar pops out, and he lands on the ground. But he is really big, and his wings are shriveled up and tiny. In fact, he's got to re- for the rest of his life, he's got to crawl around on the ground, and he never was able to fly. And he said, what's going on, Mom? And his mom said, this is what happened, that that little butterfly, that little caterpillar is meant to struggle, is supposed to struggle, because through the pushing process, come on, somebody, of pushing out that little hole, all the liquids in the caterpillar's body then pushes and fills out its wings. If it doesn't push, it doesn't have wings. But your God designed a process. I'm trying to help somebody today. A process that's uncomfortable. A process that is even dark. A process when you don't even understand what in the world is going on. But God says, if you just trust me today, if you will just keep pushing, come on, keep pushing and keep pushing. I'm doing things you don't even know. And those wings are then developed and you are able to fly. See those beautiful wings? Those beautiful wings that we admire. See, God, your Bible says that Solomon would stand and he would tell stories based on nature and he would explain the kingdom principles to man. Your Bible says that everyone would travel all over the world to hear him take me. He was like a Christian, National Geographic, just like what I did today. Your Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that God has left his little signature and his little stories and his little principles all over creation so that men are without excuse. I'm here to tell you that it's not about a butterfly. I believe God had that whole thing set up just to let us know and remind us of this principle today that if we will just keep struggling, keep pushing, keep pushing, that God's going to make something wonderful out of your life. So where's that in the Bible? It's all in the Bible. Jacob wrestling with the angel. Remember that story. He got a hold of the angel of God and he said, God, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. 
You know what he's saying? I'm not going to pray just one time. I'm going to push. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to hold on to you, God, and I'm going to pray until something happens. The thing is, sometimes the thing that's going to happen isn't what you think it's going to happen. He's making you into the butterfly. He's, made, he's doing the work he's going to do is going to be in, in you. This is deep. I can just feel it already. People are like, man, that is hitting here. Hitting. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I love it. We've been praying for our building forever. My mom and dad prayed for me to get saved forever. <laughs> the harder they prayed, the worse I got. Then I got prayed. Melinda started praying for me, and she wasn't even saved yet. God answers prayer. Let me just drop this in here, and then I'm going to start to close. I don't want to freak anybody out here. It's 1130, though. You guys are awake. You done had your coffee. Probably took a nap and got up again. So you can handle this. But another reason why God will have us be persistent in our prayer life, I need those of you that are mature in Christ to be able to handle this. Because there is a supernatural world out there. There is a spiritual world going on right now. You don't see it, but it's happening right now. And the Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness and spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places, Ephesians 6. I've had to memorize that because I was praying for things and nothing was happening, and God showed me that there is a spiritual world that is involved in this situation that we call life. And unless we learn how to have spiritual warfare, we're going to give up on God. So God says, you don't even understand all of that. I just need you to push. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And so there's a story in the Bible. We've got a few stories in the Bible that shows us that sometimes we will pray and God hears automatically. And this is, one of them is in the book of Daniel. Let me just give this to you. Daniel is a guy, you can go back and read him later, in the book of Daniel. He's got the whole book named after him. He was a young teenager, but he served God even though he was a young man and ended up causing a revival. It was a great story. Well, as he's older in life, he had another situation happen in his life. So he began to pray. And the Bible says he prayed and fasted for 21 days, and nothing seemed to be happening. 21 days of praying and fasting. Have you ever really sought God that? Jesus said to ask and to seek and to knock. Have you ever really sought God that long? Daniel did. Maybe if we would pray like these guys, we would see what God would do. And for them, he would do it for us. I mean, I'm just saying. So he's praying for 21 days. And nothing seems to happen. Then look what happened. Then an angel came to him. And an angel said to him, Do not fear Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. Look at that. The first day that you prayed, Daniel, God heard your prayer. I know you didn't see anything. You didn't hear anything. It didn't seem to be working. But I want you to know God heard you the very first day you begin to pray. I need you to see that. Because Daniel didn't see nothing happening. Some of you are in a season right now where nothing seems to be happening. I want you to know it's not because God hasn't heard you. This scripture says God hears you the moment you pray. And you set your heart. And you really get serious with God. And you pray that prayer. God heard. The angel said God heard you that very moment. Your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. I love that. 
No angels are going to be sent unless we have words to pray. Daniel had a need, but an angel wasn't sent until Daniel began to pray. Just because you have a need don't mean God is in, you're entitled to get God to answer your need. He sees me driving this car. He sees me getting laid off. He sees my finances. He sees my work situation. Yeah, he sees it. He's waiting on you to seek him and pray for God, him to do something. Well, I'm a Christian. I, uh, you know, I go to church. I serve both services. I do this. I do that. Yeah, yeah, good. But are you seeking God for this situation that you got going on in your life? Because the angel said, I'm sent. What did he say? Because you had a need. Is that what he said? Because you're a real man of God and you had the Daniel in the lion's den. That's a cool story. We're going to be telling that forever, by the way. <laughs> no, no, no. He said, I wasn't sent because of none of that. I was only sent because you prayed. Oh, that is for somebody today. Ain't no one going to be sent from heaven unless we pray. It just ain't going to happen. But then he tells us this. And are you ready for this? Go to the next one. Then he says, the first day your, your words were heard, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, later he calls him one of your chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. This just blows your whole mind and thinking. We think that heaven and hell, God and the devil is this chaotic spiritual demons running into everybody. You know, you'll watch this movie, I, Frankenstein. Pretty cool movie. I love the graphics. And we, and, and we think that it's just this crazy supernatural world and it's super spooky. No, no, no. You read this and the Bible says there are kingdoms. There is structure in, the, in God's kingdom. There is principalities and powers in, in the devil. Can you handle this today? There are levels of evil. There are levels of spiritual warfare. The Bible don't tell us too much about it because we can't even figure out how to use our iPhone. Let alone try to figure this out. I'm just dropping this in your lap today to, to get you to do what Jesus is saying to, a thousand years after this. He comes along and says, I'm just going to tell you boys that I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. You don't even need to know the backstory. I just want you to push in your prayer life. Because whether you even understand what I just told you, whether or not you even believe what I just, I hope you believe, you still have to just do this one thing, and that is push. Man, that's all I wanted to say to you today. Because there are things that are happening and timings that God does and, and things that are opposing the enemy. We have an enemy that's after, after the people of God. Do you see the tug of war in our culture today? Anything that even represents God is looked at and mocked and made fun of and, and is disagreed. It just opposes the things of God. Do you see that today? Well, if God is the source of good, then we've got to have a source of evil. You guys are quiet in this Methodist church today. You hear me? So he's saying you need to learn to push because there's things, and I don't understand all of that. Michael and Gabriel, cool names. All I know is that it's real. And so God gives us a thing like praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit, where our spirit prays and not this carnal mind that can't even pay attention for five seconds. But your spirit is totally awake. Your spirit is totally engaged. Jesus was getting ready to get crucified, and Peter falls asleep. 
It's like you're falling asleep, bro. There's some people come to church, they fall asleep. Their life is falling apart. And they can't give me 30 minutes to listen to the word, Steve. Not here. That's a 930. <laughs> I'm saying in life. How many of our family members, their life is falling apart? And it's like, dude, just go to church. Open your Bible. Just give your life to God. They put it on Facebook. My life is falling apart, pictures. And I, what do I do? And I'm like, God gave us a book. 2,000 years ago, it's got all the answers to it. Just get in it. Just get in it. Just read it, and you'll watch God begin to step in, and all of a sudden, he'll begin to move. He'll begin to answer prayer, and then, whoa, you'll begin to be like me. Wow, this thing works. If I'd known this worked like this, I would have been here a long time ago. Come on, somebody. Come on. Stand with me today as I close this up. And then he, he ends the whole teaching in your Bible there in chapter 11 by saying this, he says, if your father, if you ask your dad for a rock, you know, that all that uh, example he gave, he then says this, if you ask your father, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. And so I just wanted to end with this. You got to have the, the POP, the pattern of prayer. You got to have persistence. And then the last thing is he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. That's power. And here's the funny thing about that. No one asked him for the Holy Spirit. Read that analogy. They're asking for food. They're asking for this. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jesus says, God's going to give you the Holy Spirit. Here's the, here's the fact on that. When you have a prayer life and you, when you begin to push in prayer, are you ready? Be prepared for God to not give you what you want, but to give you what you need. That's what that whole thing was at the end. He says, I know you need this. You need a healing. You need a miracle. You need that. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Why? You need the Holy Spirit to push. You need the Holy Spirit to keep pushing in your prayer life. Did you get something out of that today? Amen. Give me some praise. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's just close this up right now. I want this to be sealed in our hearts. I'm going to have our prayer teams come on up. Prayer teams, just come on up here in the front. I want us to sing. We always sing one more song. Have times for prayer. Some of you need prayer on all different things in your life. We all need prayer. I want us to just stop right here and just ask you, where, where are you in this message today? Where are you? Have you at, are you at the very beginning? That's right. I don't even have a POP. I don't have a pattern of prayer. Okay, we'll start today start today. Pastor Andy, my problem has been is persistence. I just give up. And I don't understand why this hasn't happened. That's why I gave up. I just gave you some insights of why things take longer. It could be a spiritual warfare going on. I don't even understand everything. Or it could be because God's goal is to change something in us. We're praying for this person, that person, but God is saying, I want to change you. Thirdly, you just need the Holy Spirit. You might need to get you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to learn to pray in the Holy Spirit. You need to learn to cultivate that in your life. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing one more song. I'm gonna open up these altars. I'm gonna ask you to come. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.